You are listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by Emprise Bank. All right, this is the one. I can feel it. Podcast, 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 podcast. The first and the best Chiefs podcast. Real ones know the show is called Amateur Hour. The Amateur Hour podcast is now airing on KC Sports Network. Ryan Scott Hall and his Dirkness are back again. We've got football, friendship, and fun. All these shows, we're still number one, season 12. Oh, wow, here it comes. Welcome, my friends, to Emma, Amateur Hour Podcast. Podcast. Man, I can't hit that note right. Podcast! Is that right? Ah, well. Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. What is this, Amateur Hour? Yeah, I ain't no Superman businessman like you. You know, I'm just a amateur. I suppose. Amateur hour is what's happening. <laughs> amateur hour is what's happening. Yeah, that's right, folks. Amateur Hour is what's happening. That's the name of the show. My name is Ryan Scott Hall, and joining me today, a man who's never truly out of his element, is Darkness. So, I'm just, I'm just hanging, man. It's Tuesday night. It's 8 o'clock. We're here. We're live. Oh, right, right, right. We're on? Yeah. Is this thing on? Um, Dirk, the Chiefs won. Hey. Chiefs won on Sunday. That was good. Good to see him beat the Raiders, a team that I admittedly at one time said I would rather go 2-0 and against that team and 0-14 on the rest of the schedule than vice versa. Hate those Raiders. Halfway there. Kind of, I mean, kind of. <laughs> uh, uh, Chiefs got to play their first game against Marcus Peters in a Raiders uniform, and I think... How do you do? Yeah, I mean, well... <laughs> That was his PFF grade. <laughs> he got he got an argument with the important people on the sideline, and I and I know he got released today. And uh, did he keep his shoes on? Uh, socks, socks. What he was missing? Shoes. He did. He had on. shoes on his hands, right? Wasn't that it? He came out with shoes on his hands. Uh, I mean, look. If in order to get Sky Moore going, I have to sacrifice Marcus Peters. <laughs> I think I'll do it. Um, maybe the best play of Sky Moore's career, <laughs> not the worst play of Marcus's career, I would say. Pretty standard. <laughs> um, who had a worse missed tackle, Marcus Peters or Mike Edwards? Oof. <laughs> uh, <laughs> one of them stayed on the field. One of them still has a job. So I guess the guy that still has the job. I'll, That's I'll say probably that. right. All right, Dirk. Did the Chiefs? Finally, answer the wake-up call on Sunday against the Raiders. Ah, the wake-up call. Similar to the alarm, it's a high-risk proposition. A multitude of reasons why it might malfunction. So why haven't they answered it? Was it the snooze? No, no, it's not the snooze. Most people think it's the snooze. Was it the AMPM? No, it wasn't the AMPM. So while all of us Chiefs fans have been channeling our inner Donnie from Big Lebowski, phone's ringing, dude. Trying to get this team to answer that elusive wake-up call. Did it come versus Detroit? Nah, they hadn't even gone to sleep since last year's celebration. 
that early. How about Denver? Anybody answer? No? How about Philly? Hello? Uncle Leo? Finally, down 14-0 to Farva and the Las Vegas Raiders, the separate knobs of the NFL, and we shout out to the football gods, why separate knobs? Why separate knobs? Andy Reid answered, some teams like the volume louder in December and January, not in September and October. And just like that, bam, the Chiefs are awake. They answered that wake-up call. So after the team goes down 14 nothing, uh, a scoreless first quarter for a team that hasn't been scoring in the second half, um, I found myself asking this, and like you you may not have the answer. It's totally fine. Um, oh, I got it. Af- after they went down 14 nothing, what changed? And like, did someone spark the change? Do we have some sort of like rallying sideline session? Or did they just have a slow start and then they woke up and started playing the Raiders? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I, the Raiders aren't like some chums. Um, you know, their defenses look good this season. Um, and I thought Aiden O'Connell looked good in this game, especially early. I mean, they were dealing. Um, it is, it's, it's real interesting to me. The most interesting question is, if, what if they got down 17 nothing? Um, because even in that first drive, like they didn't, or early on in the game, like Mahomes looked a little out of sorts. Uh, he had that weird like lob pass to Kelsey on like the second, second play of the game. Um, the first play of the game got completely blown up. We'll get to that later with a fun little deep dive. Uh, silly little deep dive, I should say. Um, but yeah, and then and then a few other games, he just didn't. I, I mean, he was kind of pressing a little bit, it seemed, and then you just kind of settled down. I mean, you had to settle down into the game, and you do need to wake up. And I mean, it's I I I, I mean, does this mean that I all of a sudden I have a hundred percent faith in this Chiefs offense again already? No, not I mean, nothing like that. But man, it sure was good to see. Like it, it did feel like old times. It felt smooth again. Um, kind of got Mahomes getting back into his rhythm, getting the ball out. Um, when he didn't, he actually found Rasheed Rice on the, on a created scramble. Um, you know, that's a play that's usually saved for Kelsey or McKinnon a lot last year. It's good to see him find Rice on that. Um, so it was it was just good to see them. You know, this is kind of what the Chiefs can look like if they don't turn it over. They limit their penalties. They convert in the red zone. They don't drop passes. They let they had the one, but only one. You know, they pick up third and ones. If they execute, you know, right now, we can see that the Chiefs' offense looks good. Um, and it's been a few weeks since we've seen that. I mean, errors aplenty, especially the last three weeks. Um, so I, I don't know if there was any anything other than just focusing in. You know, it's time to lock in both in this game and in the season and, you know, sharpen it up and, and get it together and start playing efficiently. Um, and hopefully this is the first game of many of a stretch run where they they – do start to do that, which we've seen before in 2021, as I've laid out before, a stretch of, you know, six games in there where they turned it over like crazy. Um, they weren't scoring points. And then all of a sudden, you know, in December, they found their mojo again and started scoring over 30 points a game again. You know, I mean, when, when I'm sitting here, the Chiefs are down 14 nothing, and I'm just like, well, great. We're, we're like really in a hole. Now, not just in this game, but like, so this this is where the team is, really. We're down 14 nothing to the Raiders. Um, could have been easily, I mean, should have been 17, and it could have been 21 if the Raiders go for that and, you know, convert. I mean, it was fourth and like one and a half, I think, so. 
Well, even worse. I mean, at that point, like my confidence meter, you know, we we're talking last week about confidence a lot. Uh, my confidence meter, super low, super low. I, I was imagining like, this is what rock bottom is going to be. This is going to be the game where they just completely tank. And yet it ended up being like kind of a vanilla chiefs win. Um, you know, you mentioned like kind of getting back to, to, to the old ways, so to speak. And like, I don't know, everything felt normal to me once they started scoring in the second quarter. Um, and that's kind of surprising circumstances considered. Um, I mean, like I had a couple different things happening here. Number one, um, <clears throat> obviously the chiefs offense hasn't been scoring at the rate that we're used to. And so going down 14 doesn't necessarily bode well for a team that's not putting up points in the second half, three straight weeks. But I mean, like even on top of that, um, you know, a friend of mine, uh, came and watched the game with me, my buddy, Steve, welcome home. Uh, you know, had, hadn't been able to sit on a couch with my guy and watch a football game in like, I don't know, nine years. Um, and despite all that time, it still felt totally normal. I think for both of us to just be sitting there watching the chiefs on a Sunday. I, I mean, look, I don't, uh, I don't normal, know. Normal nine years ago was a lot different than normal. The last years. <laughs> correct. Yes. <laughs> um, but like, I don't know the, the big comeback for, for them being down 14 and winning. I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's because the chiefs are 17 and three after a loss in the Mahomes era. Um, maybe that's why it felt normal. Maybe it's because the Chiefs are 15 and 11 when down double digits in the Mahomes era. No other quarterback over 500. Thanks for that stat, Trey Wingo. Um, maybe, maybe that's why it was. Honestly, it's probably because Mahomes is abnormal. He's always been. And this was a welcome reminder of what normal is in Kansas City when Patrick Mahomes is your quarterback. Uh, real quick on that. 15 and 11. So Mahomes is 15 and 11 when down double digits, which you mentioned. Um, that is, I mean, you mentioned that's way better than any other quarterback uh, facing double digits. How about better win percentage than quarterbacks just starting the game? So no double digit deficit. That is a better win percentage than, get ready, Rich Gannon, Troy Aikman, Bill Rivers, Joe Flacco, Michael Vick, Matt Ryan, Fran Tarkenton. Matt Hasselbeck, Cam Newton, Mark Brunell, Carson Palmer, Warren Moon, Eli Manning, Dan Fouts, Joe Namath, Trent Green, Sean Watson, and damn it, only one more win from Kurt Warner, who would be fun, and Joe Burrow. Mm. That is so, so his winning is, percentage when down 14 points is better than all of those guys in their careers. In their career. Real winning first. Double double digits, not 14 points. Double digits. So Oh, double digits, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Troy Aikman's kind of surprising because it seems like all he did was win. Like I know he had he was one in fifteen as a rookie, so I guess that weighs it down quite a bit. But man, that dude he didn't play too long, so he wasn't losing a lot like in his late career. And he obviously had three Super Bowls in there. I was I was kind of that was the most surprising name on that list for me. I last week I was a little heated. Very frustrated with my football team after the way that they lost to the Eagles. And I asked for a lot of things. So my, my head, like a Christmas list, basically. Um, and this week, I think less was indeed more. I, I first kind of started with 
Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes are the ones that have to fix this. They're the ones that are bottom line responsible, even though they're not necessarily at fault. They're the ones that are in charge. And so I said, well, Andy's got to send a message. He needs to bench MVS. Not really. Didn't really happen, but he kind of got shelved. The snaps were down for him a little bit. Only one target. Um, I, I loved listening to the lab and hearing that you and I and everyone we know had more receiving yards than Marcus Valdez-Scantling did. Um, Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Uh, also on my Christmas list, Dirk. Be conservative. Protect the football. Take the points. Check. Simplify the offense. Make it easy for the receivers. Check. Quick game. Give me drags. Give me slants. Give me screens. Check, check, check. Compress the targets. More Noah Gray. Can we get some receivers off the field and see Noah Gray? Check. Stop extending the plays. Mahomes took a sack. He just took one. Loved it. It was, it was great. I loved seeing him take a sack instead of extending the play. Check. How about run the football? Check. How about catch the football? Check. The Chiefs listen to amateur hour, Dirk. I'm telling you. They listen. We didn't. We ran for like 100 more yards last week than we did this week, so that might be stretching a little bit. I mean, they, uh, they didn't say run the ball successfully. I just said running. Well, we also ran it way more last week than we run did the ball. Uh, but we did pick up third and ones, which is, the, I mean, the biggest thing that we need kind of from the run game. Yeah. Um, and it felt like it ran better than it did, even though the run game still might be struggling a little bit. Um, that one game that it did really pop out was against the, the Eagles, um, oddly enough. But, I mean, the big thing there for me uh, is the shortening of the receiver room. Um, something we've kind of been harping on is since as early as after week one, when we kind of talked about too many chefs in the kitchen at uh, Cheesecake Factory. Um, I'm still looking for my nickname list. I had a, I had a whole bunch of nicknames written down for every receiver, but I lost that list. I love the Chiefs Cake Factory. It was too. I couldn't. I couldn't even handle it. So how how are they supposed to handle it? I can't even just handle the nicknames of it. Um, but you know, I think that was kind of the big thing, and and it was kind of by necessity. Um, so McColl, I mean, his injury didn't seem too serious. He ends. He finishes the game last week, but then uh, now he's missing at least four weeks. Is that the idea with IR? Is he out for good? I wasn't fully sure on that. I believe okay, and then Tony's mysterious injury where it was like an ankle and then all of a sudden he was out with a hip. I don't know, if, did we ever hear if that was a practice thing or just a one spaghetti limb is is connected to the next rigatoni limb? Is that that kind of situation? I'm not sure. Uh, so, I, I mean, I was curious. And actually, you know what? Let's let's take a break real quick and then I'll, key, I'll touch on this, uh, this receiver conversation. What's up, Chiefs Kingdom? This is Tucker Franklin from KC Sports Network. Thank you for listening to today's show. Make sure to follow us and subscribe for more Chiefs content wherever you get your podcast. If you want to support us further, you can shop the latest collection of KC Sports Network merch in partnership with Sandlot Goods. You can find hats, shirts, hoodies, and more at sandlotgoods.com. You can click the link in the description for more information. Hey everyone, this is BJ Kissel. We'll get right back to the show. I just need a minute to share some important news, but as always, thank you for the support. The KCSN Foundation just launched our third annual Soul of KC Holiday Raffle and Toy Drive, and it benefits Operation Breakthrough's Christmas Store. This campaign has raised more than $35,000 over the past two years, helping provide a better Christmas for kids in our community. And it's simple. We sell raffle tickets for a chance to win any of the more than 20 fantastic prizes that we have available this year. It's things like a Travis Kelsey autographed full-size Chiefs helmet, or a Chris Jones autographed jersey, a George Karloftis jersey, 
How about a Patrick Mahomes autographed mini helmet? We've got gift cards to local restaurants like Capitol Grill, Mission Taco Joint, or Third Street Social. You can find the full list of prizes on our social media accounts, or you can click the link in the description of this show. Again, all of the proceeds go to buying presents for Operation Breakthrough's Christmas store, and you can get tickets now through December 4th. Help us continue to help others, because that's what the KCSN Foundation is all about. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. The holiday season can be a time of joy, but also extra added stress. Whether from travel, dealing with family, or financial stress, the holiday season can bring extra burden onto your life. Sometimes just having someone to talk to can help remove some of those feelings that you may have over the course of the holiday season. Therapy can be an opportunity for you to talk through some of those feelings, have a chance to make you feel extra grounded, or keep you level-headed. It can help you respond positively to situations. It can help you set boundaries, and it can help you take some weight off your chest. If you feel extra stressed this holiday season and are thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Find your bright spot this holiday season with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com KCSN today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash K-C-S-N. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, as requested in the chat, let the let the hair down. You're welcome. Wow, let it and down. Oh, we had ladies listening. <laughs> all right, uh, all right. Before we before we dive into some receivers here, uh, are you, are you looking for a way to make a big impact in Kansas City? That's what KCSN is all about, helping the people. Well, the Boys and Girls Clubs of Greater Kansas City need sponsors for their sports teams and leagues. You can help local kids while promoting your business throughout the metro just by emailing giving at helpkckids.org. Your company can hit it out of the park with a sports league sponsorship with the Boys and Girls Clubs of Greater Kansas City. Reach thousands of local families while giving kids the opportunity to get in the game. Remember, it's giving at helpkckids.org for more information. 
your company can hit it out of the park with a sports league sponsorship with Boys and Girls Clubs of Greater Kansas City. I just I just read that one, Dirk. Did you read that? I just, I just read that one. <laughs> Fuck, we can edit that later. Well, uh, do you well, find yourself amateur hour? Do you find yourself coaching from the couch during the games? Consider coaching from the sidelines through volunteering with Boys and Girls Clubs of Greater Kansas City. Learn more at HelpKCKids.org. I'm just trying to help the people, Ryan. I maybe they didn't hear you. Sometimes you don't you don't speak too eloquently. You need you need me to pick it up. Uh, two things before we get to the receivers. Number one, uh, you know, here at Amateur Hour, we're not always the most like company friendly, so to speak. Um, are we, are we beefing with KC Sports Network? No, no, not at all. I'm just saying, like, I'm down. I'm down. I'm not really, I'm not really, uh, in the super duper promotion, like self promotion business. Um, but KCSN is doing right now the soul of KC raffle thing. This is the third year they've done it. Uh, I heard BJ say that the last two years they've raised $35,000 combined, which is pretty sweet. Um, if you guys haven't seen the prizes, it's mostly like a bunch of cool autographed chiefs memorabilia. Um, buy some raffle tickets. I'm sure if you just go on Twitter and look at Casey sports network, you'll find the way to buy the tickets, Venmo or something, butter, give butter, donate butter, that too. butter, something. I don't know what it's called, uh, but, but I think that it's, uh, honestly, it would be a really cool Christmas gift. Like, Hey, Hey, uh, Hey parents, Hey wife, Hey, Hey girlfriend. Hey, Hey brother, whatever. Uh, got you some raffle tickets or I want raffle tickets. That's a smart way to do it. And all of it goes to Operation Breakthrough, um, which to me, uh, a really special place. Uh, we got a lot of kids uh, at my school that go to Operation Breakthrough after school. Um, and Travis Kelsey works with Operation Breakthrough as well uh, to build the ignition lab and stuff. And all of the money that gets donated, KCSN just goes to Dick's on this wild shopping spree and spends, you know, 20 grand in one night and loads up a truck. And it's all Christmas presents for kids that otherwise might not get. Uh, so really, really cool thing that they do uh, that's going on right now. So, you know, donate your money, give it away, be generous. It's the season of giving. Um, now let's talk some receivers. I, I was thinking like, is it really as simple as just removing a few guys? We go into this game with no Tony, no Hardman and McKinnon's also out. You know, and we're kind of talking about like wanting to to reduce the number of like overall targets in terms of the people that are getting them. Like, can we start to concentrate where the ball is going? And I don't know. Did, let me ask you this: Without Tony and Hardman, did they use pre-snap motion? Like Tony and Hardman are typically the guys that do a lot of the misdirection stuff before the play. And I mean, like Richie James was active. Didn't he only got like nine snaps or something? I think. Uh, Sky Moore has done some of that. I know they moved Travis a little bit back and forth, but like, I don't know if that was just not part of the offense on Sunday. I don't really remember. Maybe that's a question for people who watch all 22. Um, I don't know though. P.S. Time is a flat circle. And Andy was all of us when he said uh, in his press conference that they were worried about Kadarius Tony being able to take a hit. Um, that, that the result of the hip injury and ultimately what led to them sitting him down. Like, yeah, Andy, I'm always worried about Kadarius Tony being able to take a hit. And honestly, it may not even be that. It might just be, I'm worried about Kadarius Tony being able to cut without like rupturing something because he 
does such violent change of direction. Like, yeah, I, just, like, I think that's it. I don't, I mean, the hits just like bounce right off. And that's, I mean, that's where the rigatoni nickname comes from. It's because yeah. like talk, tackling a, a plane of spaghetti. It's like you tackle it, it just kind of reforms and keeps running. Uh, well, one of the things that I've always found really impressive about Tony is that he runs hard. Like he's, he's not just a guy that's like tough to tackle because he's shifty. Like that dude runs with some power. I remember hearing that he's like one of the stronger pound for pound guys on the team. And you wouldn't necessarily think that, uh, but you know, he runs with some purpose, but not having those guys out there. Like I, there's, there's probably a lot more going on than just fewer receivers available for you, but I don't know. It kind of resulted in like a pretty ideal box score for the offense. I mean, Mahomes has 300 passing yards and a couple touchdowns. He doesn't turn it over. He only got sacked once. They only got penalized four times. Pacheco gets 20 touches for 84 yards and two touchdowns. I think both of them were like one yard plunges, right? Both of his touchdowns were short. Like, and I mean, ju- just like on third and short, either where they're like goal line carries for Pacheco. Um, kind of our short yardage sledgehammer might be the solution that we're looking for. Uh, I mean, Rasheed Rice, obviously, 8 for 100 in a touchdown. Kelsey goes 6 for 91. Sky Moore and Noah Gray go 3 for 30. White receiver 1 reception on the day. Uh, There's a touchdown. I mean, I think only... It was a great play. It was a great play. I think only six guys caught a ball. Um, And, like, typically it's 8 or 9 or 10, and sometimes 8 or 9 or 10 as early as like the end of the first quarter. Now I think they only ran seven plays on their first two drives this week. Well, uh, they only have four plays in the first quarter. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it looks like seven receivers caught a pass. Only six of them gained yards though. Okay. Um, there you go. Probably doesn't. But yeah, I think, I mean, I think that's what you would do when you're struggling with something. I mean, whatever it is, you want to simplify it, kind of go back to the fundamentals and kind of build yourself back up from, from the base. And we've, We've talked about, I know Matt Lane has kind of talked about doing that with like routes and simplifying the routes and, you know, giving them less option routes and sitting in zones and stuff like that and just going to, uh, you know, more just like hitches and uh, drag routes and slants and that kind of stuff. Uh, so what I, them, what I asked for. What we've those? seen them try that while well, they were doing it before. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, you and you and everybody else on Twitter, was just like, finally, the Chiefs listened to what I said. And the offense started working. If they would have just listened to me six weeks ago, we this never would have been a problem. Every every single person had came to that same realization as the game went on. It was it was amazing. That's way Twitter is right. Never late. Person, right. Never late. Just early. Confirm all my priors. Always. Yes. Go well, on. I mean, I'd like to say that. I I think that is kind of like what the offense is moving forward. You know, you kind of you got to force it to Rice. Mm-hmm. You got to work it to Kelsey. You want to give Sky some space, and you want to put Watson, you know, on that deep cross because he had a couple deep crosses where he popped wide open, um, and they didn't quite get it to him. But I still think that's a good route. You know, I, I, I call this the force work, the workforce cross space offense. No, 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 no the space force cross work offense. No, force it to rise, work it to Kelsey, put Watson in the cross, get Sky. Oh no, okay, no. This, I, I think that's what the offense should be like kind of going forward is, is those four aspects. Those those should be the fundamentals of the passing game. Can you repeat them for me? I just want to make sure I've got it. We got workforce cross space, space force cross work, or the workspace cross force. Mm. All 
great options, as I can tell by your face. <laughs> I'm I'm trying to remember. Uh, it's force to rice. Force to rice. Work. Well, you gotta you wanna you gotta force to to rice, Get them targets. Like, yeah. I mean, just yeah. just keep just get them ten targets a game. I don't. I mean, we kind of we've seen them flash, and then we kind of go away from when you have these games and the offense struggles, and it's like, man, we get nothing from the receivers. You gotta force it to rice. Um, and I'm still. You know, Rice did really good, and he had, like, the best game of his career. Um, the most promising route was, like, that back shoulder to him. Because um, everything else was still kind of simple, you know, drag, hitch route. I'm still not sure if it's like that's kind of, like, things you can count on. It was just, like, easy stuff that's, like, here, just do this real simple from the slot, get wide open, and we'll get it to you, which is good. But as he, as he develops, like, you want to start seeing, like, the harder difficulty plays, um you know, like a deep in cut or something like that. But then like that back shoulder to him was real pretty. Uh, and he just kind of won that at the catch point, got it, went up and got it. Um, really, I mean, does, could he remind you more of Dwayne Bow? Like he's just, he has the one drop a game. He's yeah. good at the catch point like that. He's he's like big, but he's also kind of like explosive and fast. Like it's just like, he seems identical. It's It's kind of crazy to me to see. Thank you for reminding me of that perfect comparison that I made. I just, everything's coming up Ryan today. It feels good. You really feel yourself. feels good. Um, <clears throat> I mentioned uh, after the game, uh, threw it out there like, this might have been the eight for 107 in a touchdown for Rasheed Rice might have been better than like his two best games combined. Uh, his actual two best games combined – uh, happened in back-to-back weeks against uh, the Broncos and Chargers. Nine catches for 132 yards and a touchdown over two weeks. Those were his two best games. And he ended with eight for 107 and a touchdown. I mean, he's in the same neighborhood as his best two performances combined. I mean, I don't I don't know how sticky these types of like target volume and, and uh, the statistics are going to be for him down the backstretch. But there's no reason not to, I guess, is the way that I'm looking at it. Like, you don't need to deviate from the throw Rasheed Rice the football plan. I don't I don't think you're ever going to be putting yourself in harm's way by doing it. I mean, apart from the drops, it's not like, you know, he's he's causing other teams to uh, you know, get interceptions because he's popping the ball up on these drops. It's usually like the ball just goes, <laughs> hits him in the drop. hands and then goes to the ground. It's a real classic drop. It's a great drop. Great drop. He's had a few great drops this year. So really, really good at dropping. Well done. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I, mean, I think his best play on Sunday was him dropping it to the ground. Um, I don't know, man. I mean, he he just, it it's all seemed so obvious which is why I think a lot of people were like, see, if you just do as I say, then this will work. I, I'm curious, you know, we, we got a comment early in the show about maybe Andy just said, like, this is enough from Matt Nagy and kind of took control of the situation. I mean, I still don't think that we know how Andy delegates responsibility like who he allows to call plays and in what situations. And even when it comes down to like snap counts or whatever, like I I've never been a football coach. So I'm really curious, like how that all operates. Does Andy just like go in his office 
and do Andy stuff and they go and tell everybody this is what the game plan is this week? Or does everybody bring him proposals and he sits at the head of the table and says, I like this and I like that. And the rest of you can get out. Like, I I don't know how this works. And, you know, I don't, I don't know like who to give credit to outside of Andy Reed. It seems like on the defensive side of the ball, we're all so willing to, to talk up a guy like Dave Merritt or a guy like Joe Cullen. And I guess on the offensive side, we'll say good things occasionally about somebody like Andy Heck. And we've asked some questions about what the loss of Eric Bieniemy means. But like on a week-to-week basis, I don't even know how important any of these assistants are. Like Andy is ultimately the one where Buck stops here, you know, but I, I don't know if like, well, on the weeks that we p- perform poorly on offense, Andy wasn't calling the plays. Like, that doesn't work. That doesn't add up to me. You, you, you got any thoughts on that? Like, like what role we've, we've asked what role the enemy's, you know, absence is playing. But like, what is Matt Nagy bringing to the table here? Well, I would think it's very uh, open communication. Um, I would just imagine, um, you know, they're kind of sitting in a room. I mean, obviously, they probably have a huge thing of plays. They're kind of going through ones that they like. They, you know, seeing what kind of defenses the, the their opponent that week faces, um, putting together a game plan to face go against each of those. Um, and I, I think, you know, kind of sitting in a room, and I think it's kind of open voices. You know, Nagy's got a voice. B enemy would have had a voice last year, obviously. I'm sure Mahomes is in there more often than not, giving his opinion. Um, and I think it's just coming together. And then, you know, I think. I would think Andy is very open to listening to his assistants, but ultimately, you know, he's the one kind of finalizing it. But like anyone, you know, Nagy has like five plays that he loves. I'm sure Andy's going to listen to that and go with them. Mahomes probably has five plays that he loves this week. Probably go with those. But like, I mean, I, I, I it's really tough to say because Andy will never speak too openly about it. But I, they're all in the communication in the helmet. I mean, obviously, they there was big talks about who was calling the plays. Uh, I think, I mean, a lot of those are pre-selecting kind of thing and just this determining when to do it. Uh, but it did seem like most of the time, I mean, the enemy was the one like mouthing it in. Uh, and I feel like we've kind of seen Nagy mouthing it in too. Uh, and then Andy probably has veto power is my guess. Uh, but, you know, I mean, the whole operation, who knows? I mean, it's 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 tough to say. I, I, I thought one of the more interesting things from this week and one thing that's been missing uh, is kind of the, the screen game. Um, and, you know, after that first play, which was a disaster, um, they kind of got back to it and, and you know, kind of got like some easy yards that I think has really been missing throughout the year, um, which is one of the staples of Andy Reid. Like that, that's like might be a number one on his list when he's when he's going to the Hall of Fame. Like the screen game in Andy Reid's offenses always work. Um, and I feel like those are really I keep waiting for like a stat to pop up. Like, you know, the Chiefs gained 700 yards on screens last year and only gained 250 yards on screens this year or something. Um, but I still haven't seen anything like that. It's probably tough to gather that information, but they have stats on fucking everything. So I'm surprised we haven't seen something like that. Um, and they're just kind of like dump down plays, just like little swings out to whoever. Um, and those popping for just like easy little 10 yard gains. That's, that's, you know, top of the list on Tom Brady's hall of fame resume is, you know, I'm going to look downfield and then I'm going to check it down and we're going to pick up the easiest 12 yards of football that there is. Um, and so I thought there was more of that. Uh, which I think takes the pressure off of, you know, these receivers having to, you know, go down and catch like a 12-yard a hitch and um, or Kelsey having to beat man-to-man coverage or find this hole in the zone and just make it easy, easier stuff. 
Uh, so I thought that was really, really good to see this week. Does the McKinnon injury worry you? I mean, we saw like how important he was down the backstretch last year. And even last week, you know, you were mentioning like, like what are the safety valves for Mahomes? And it's basically Travis Kelsey and Jarek McKinnon from 2022. And so in this year, when we're down the backstretch here, Andy mentioned that like the thing with McKinnon, the groin has been lingering and he felt like he couldn't necessarily like perform or compete at the level that he would want to with this injury. So they decided to give him the week off and Andy used the word safe. And that to me made it seem like, okay, well, you're basically telling us that like, we really, we want McKinnon in January. Um, and so why force him out there at the end of November? I mean, yeah, that's been on my radar all season. I think it's a very important aspect to the offense. I mean, it obviously was down the stretch last season. It was a touchdown scoring machine, mm-hmm. um, not only in the red zone, but also just catching like his uh, when he's scrambling out there and finding someone on on his ad libs like he was huge in that um, and hasn't really produced this year. And it, I, I've been talking about it a few different times was is that old age? Are they saving him for down the stretch? Um, it's it's really tough to say, but um, I, I saw like some fantasy nerds talking about uh, you know, Pacheco running like the most routes that he had in his career, basically. In five uh, Pacheco, catches. He was, yeah, five catches. And he was like, he was kind of a one-man operation running the show. Clyde came in there and looked actually pretty decent a few times, uh, but they weren't looking for him on pass plays or anything like that. It was kind of Pacheco carrying the load for one of the few times in his career, I would say. Um, and he did pretty good, but that is just an important aspect. This easy, easy yards is is just, it, it's incredibly important. Um Another thing, play action passes, which was another thing that was on my radar. Uh, and I talked about how the route, they had been at like over 140 each of the last three years, but they're only at 50 through 10 games um, this year, a much lower rate. Uh, so they're That's down to the five. Number of plays, you were saying 140 play action passes 140, in the last two years? Correct. Each of the last three years, they're right. They're in the 140s, very consistent the last three years. And then all of a sudden this year, so that's like, that's probably like, eight or nine a game basically. Um, and this year down to like five and a half per game coming in, mm. um, in this game, they ran seven play action passes. These stats are courtesy of Ron cop. Uh, my guy, great follow, uh, seven play action passes in this game. They went seven for seven for 15.3 yards of completion and seven first downs on those passes. So I have no clue why they're not calling more play action passes this year. Um, that would be, you know, one of the few questions I would ask Andy, like if I can get, trapped in a room with Andy and ask him just five questions like why why go down on play action passes this year like this this one doesn't add up to me mm-hmm. um so that, yeah almost nine per game over the last three seasons five and a half I had the stats here um and and they're successful this game so hopefully they're kind of getting back to that you still only saw seven which isn't the number that they got to last year um is this something that they're saving keeping in their holster um for the for the back stretch here I'm, I'm not sure but it was good to see that it happened this week and be so successful with it I'm curious what the other four questions would be if you got locked in a room with Andy Reid. Uh, but but first, um, you know, on McKinnon, I, I love this guy. Uh, I did you you saw? I think that he went to Philly to watch the game. Really weird. Didn't didn't you say? Did you go to that bar? You've been yeah, there before. Not not for a game. Uh, yeah, it was it was a football game, but not a Chiefs game. Okay, really cool, really cool. Yeah. And Nick Wright was there last week. And then also, Jared McKinnon was just there. Like, I don't, wouldn't he be on the sidelines normally? Or 
if he wouldn't go to the sidelines, he'd be hanging out at home. But then all of a sudden he's in Philly and he's not from Philly. He's from Georgia. So I was like, nothing really adds up here. Why he watched that game in Philadelphia. Yeah. I mean, there was speculation that like Spags recommended it or something like Spags is Spags is like a made guy at big Charlie's saloon. Uh, they're in, they're in the heart of Philadelphia. Um, I don't know. I mean, I guess something that I've kind of been thinking about, and this was in some ways an opportunity to see it. Like, I'm sure that if you asked pretty much any running back, they would tell you, like, give me the ball as much as possible. Um, Pacheco seems like the type of guy that probably could get better as the game goes on. Um, Maybe he would wear down because he runs so hard. But a lot of those guys that that do run with that style, it's like, you know, after the first 10 carries, now they're energized. Now they're awake. Now they're ready to really make you pay. And with the speed that he has, and honestly, the Chiefs suddenly seem like they can run to the edge. Um, I I really didn't think that running off tackle was something that they were any good at. Um, and it seems like it's working a little bit for Pacheco. They even had the couple against the Eagles with Clyde out there uh Clyde Edwards Vince Wilfork Calaire uh did you see that video it was like the fight <laughs> everyone's everyone's talking about how Clyde's put some weight on he's looking a little round around the court I mean there was the the video of Vince Wilfork running with the ball I mean dude I cackled oh yeah I had no idea what to anticipate when it's a video that just says Clyde Edwards Hilaire like trying to hit the edge or something but then when it's Will Fork out there, it got me. The internet won that day. Um, I, but I have been wondering if, like, I, I said earlier in the season that our second best offensive weapon, uh, you know, not named Patrick Mahomes, uh, was Pacheco. That Pacheco was the next guy after Kelsey that they really needed to concentrate on giving the ball to. And... I am in no way, shape, or form trying to push Jarek McKinnon out of the offense, even if for no other reason than his pass-blocking repertoire. Um, but he's just so good in obvious passing situations that I I, I don't want to have to like force Pacheco onto the field when you have somebody that's such a savvy veteran. But I... I I see Pacheco. Did did you see the? I think it was the game uh, two weeks ago against Miami. He like completely whiffed on a pass block rep, and then got the exact same opportunity like a quarter later, and it was him fighting against the guy for like six seconds. Like Pacheco just seems like a hungry ass dude. You know, got that dog in him, and and it's like he he wants to play, he wants to compete, he wants to learn. Um, and I I don't know, man. Like I'm 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 thinking that. Pacheco is once again in December and January going to be as as big a part of this offense perhaps as anybody, even as much as Travis Kelsey, even as much as Rasheed Rice. Like I think that he is going to become, and especially if he continues to be as effective as he was on Sunday on, on short yardage situations, whether it's third and short or on those goal line situations, like Pacheco could, could be what, you know, vaults them to that home field advantage, to hosting the AFC Championship again, to potentially another Super Bowl title. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he will be super important. I, I expect McKinnon to, he, I, you know, if he's healthy, 
Um, and I don't think he's, you know, hurt so bad right now that he won't be healthy. They will continue giving him those opportunities. Um, and so I think he will get the, the pass rush or the pass, um, passing snaps, I guess you'd say pass back snaps. Uh, so he would continue to get those, you know, come hell or high water, unless it's just like, he's just not performing. And I, I don't expect that, but it, it is a question of if he will be as effective as last year. Uh, but you mentioned a lot of positive with Isaiah Pacheco. There was one negative player. And I don't know if you know this or not, but the Chiefs made history on Sunday in a bizarre way. Folks, we got ourselves a little deep dive here. Ayo. Ooh. Here we are. That was a real one. Here we are, folks. Uh, Okay. We'll deep dive here. I don't know if you remember or not, the very first snap of the game from the Chiefs, a negative 11-yard reception from Isaiah Pacheco on a very bad screen pass. Got me to thinking, how many times have they been negative 11-yard catches in the NFL? I will say this. Now, granted, play-by-play history only goes back to 1994, but it was the worst completed pass on a first play of the game for an offense in NFL history. NFL history going back to 1994. There's never been a worse completed pass, granted. So you have to complete it and then you go. This There's been 32 plays all time with a negative 11-yard reception or worse. The Chiefs have four of them. Four of the 32. By far the most. Nobody else has more than two. Uh, we got Pacheco. We have Tony actually earlier in 2023. We have Lake Dawson on that list, and we have Jamal Charles. Now, of these 32 plays, 17 of them involved a fumble, you know, catching a pass and, you know, getting hit, and the ball flies backwards, and that results in, like, a, you know, negative 20-yard catch kind of thing. So wipe those out. Six of those remaining 15 were actually completed by the quarterback to himself. So it was, like, quarterback catching a pass, and then he gets, you know, a big loss on that. Um, two of the remaining nine were a completion to an offensive lineman, um, which was, you know, illegal, but the defense wouldn't decline it because it's such a negative play, so they let that play stand. Um, and that leaves seven in the negative 11 club, which is Pacheco, Raheem Mostert, Mike Goodson, Gio Bernard, Jamal Charles on the list, Marion Barber, and Andrew Hawkins. And Andrew Hawkins actually holds the record for the worst completed pass that wasn't a fumble of all time, a negative 14-yard reception. So shout out to Andrew Hawkins on the 2017 Cincinnati Bengals. And that so, is this week's deep dive. Nice. And these are, you, it had to be a completed pass. Completed right? pass. Okay. Negative 11 yards. It's really so hard to complete a pass and go that far backwards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He kind of like got hit and like bounced off, but then still kept moving. So they couldn't do the forward progress where he first got hit. He had to move it all the way back to where he started his progress again. And, you know, Really killed the first drive and killed the vibe of the first quarter. I was, you know, one of only four plays for the Chiefs in the first quarter. I think he had five for 40-something, maybe, which means he had four for 50-something. Five for 34. So, oh, okay. so take that one out. He's four for 35 on the day. So four, four for 45. 45. Good call. Not bad. Got to carry the one. Got to carry the one, folks. <laughs> Not bad. Uh, you know, but... Gosh, we've got 43 and a half minutes and still have not talked about the Kansas City Chiefs defense because we don't know how. Um, 
I, I, before we get there, I do want to talk a little bit about Travis Kelsey. I kind of called him out a little bit last week. Um, broke the streak of bad games without Taylor Swift. Good for you. Uh, I don't know if I think she was on FaceTime and on the sideline. She was, that could be it. Why she was there. They just like put her on one of the tablets and it's just Taylor's face on the sideline. Travis goes and sits down on the bench. <laughs> Maybe. I could see it. Um, I, I, I had a thought about Travis Kelsey, nothing to do with football. In fact, well, tangentially related to football, but really I started to think about life after football. Um, like all these different things that Travis Kelsey could do. Uh, people talk about how, Oh, he'd be such a good actor. He's so charming. He, you know, he's got his, his clothing line and, you know, billion dollar girlfriend and whatever uh the travis like the this it's gonna be the summer of travis especially god if the chiefs win the super bowl uh watch out travis kelsey fans um but this is what i think is gonna happen i'm calling my shot yeah travis and jason gonna retire either in the same offseason or maybe like one year apart and they're going to maybe be i don't know if it would be like a rival Situation. I don't know if they necessarily want to step on the toes here. But folks, coming around the corner, it's the Kelsey cast. It's the Kelsey cast. Mm. Got new heights, but they're going to host their own like game watch party, just like the Mannings. I mean, they would take, they would take over for the Mannings, I would think. Because, I mean, the Mannings, are, and you don't want to do that forever. I mean, it's oh, okay. it's already kind of winding down a little bit. Like, it was great okay. to hear for a long time. Uh, so, but I think nice the nice idea is to constantly refresh the people on there and Kelsey's would be fantastic at it obviously I mean they obviously they already have this great rapport it's probably the easiest job that they could do and like make really good money because they get to just be at home like if if you have a an internet connection you can do the the Kelsey cast um and I mean obviously they're they've got the number one podcast I think anywhere period regardless of the platform or or the the genre or whatever like they're just kind of on top of the world and so they'll continue is it, to do that. Is it bigger than ours? You think they pull in more than us? Um I don't know if they're doing better numbers than when Nick Wright was on our show. Mm. Uh, really really in the uh the real thick of it in the in the great inflated Facebook numbers days. Uh it'd be, it'd be tough to beat some of those numbers we were putting up on Facebook live in like 2016. All right. <laughs> Really tough to beat those numbers. Pulling a hundred grand uh, of an audience for the uh, live draft show that we didn't even that we didn't even pick a player. We just traded down. What a <laughs> night! What a night that was. Kelsey's can't even. Um, defensively, the Chiefs of the when you see though Kelsey looked much better, uh, and that's kind of been on our radar as well. Is just Kelsey slowing down. But I thought that was exactly what we needed from six for ninety one from him. Um, Looked good doing it. Never, never once thought like, oh man, he looks like he's aging there, which I, I kind of have each of the last three weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought it was his best game uh, in a while, statistically, obviously. Uh, but I thought he just looked good. It was exactly what we needed. Yeah, vintage Kelsey. The six for 91, pretty standard. Almost surprising that he didn't have a touchdown uh, on a day like that, you know, but great to see. I haven't seen the, the, what, Kelsey, what I haven't seen the Kelsey shovel pass. I know that kind of... Uh, Ran its course a little bit. I wonder if we see that come back a little bit. Um, I saw some team run it 
was it against the Chiefs? I saw someone that was, it was like an option look, but he also had like a, a little shovel pass inside. I think it was the Raiders against us, and he had like a little shovel pass inside, and it would look nice. It kind of made me, made me feel like I wanted to see it again. When you were mentioning the screen game, I instantly started thinking of tight end screens, like the reaction to this side, and then the tight end's going to be over here hiding, waiting for the screen, and whether it's I mean, honestly, Noah Gray has even looked good, like legitimately good doing that. Get the ball in his hands and let him move. Um, I would almost like, I mean, Travis is phenomenal still, but I, I'd almost rather throw that one to Noah Gray now. Kelsey's still a horse. I mean, he's just, he's just a he's big hard, kind yeah, of he's hard to bring down. Get in there, rides. Yeah. Um, and that play used to be so good. And then it just got so obvious. But man, we, for a while, couple of years there that was that play was unstoppable all right defense what do you got you know and, andy will pull out some stuff though do you did you you saw the downfield screen right yeah early in the game yeah after the 11 negative 11 year catch i was like oh, oh man there's donnie avery out there pulling out the 2014 playbook just blowing blowing off the desk <laughs> what do we got an old third and 18 here uh defensively i mean slow start obviously uh, but to see another team really not even be able to cross the 20 point mark, uh, the Raiders, did the Raiders score in the second half? They had all 17 in the first half or did they, was the field goal in the second half? Field goal, second half. We haven't allowed over 25 all season. I think that's the benchmark. We're the only team in the NFL. No, uh, that's not allowed 25 or more. Yeah. I mean, I think that we saw some splash plays. Uh, McDuffie had a really awesome pass breakup on a blitz uh, that I enjoyed. Karloftis uh, getting that sack was nice. Tranquil had a couple tackles for loss. Uh, Tranquil looked really good, I thought. Dude, I think that like this conversation has probably been had by many at this point, but the Chiefs are going to... They're, they're in such an interesting position at linebacker. They have one too many as soon as Bolton comes back. Um, and Andy's already talking about trying to get him back in the mix. I think he might, it still might probably be a couple weeks before he's active, but like Nick Bolton is an all pro. There's not a scenario in which they're going to be like, "Mm, you know what? We're not going to play Nick Bolton because Drew Tranquil's playing so well. I I think that you have to start looking at fewer snaps for Chanel and gay would be my guess, but it becomes really interesting going forward because like, they have not missed a beat without Nick Bolton. And of the guys on that defense outside of Chris Jones, Nick Bolton is probably the next biggest name nationally. And and knowing what they have to do in terms of some of these contracts, like I don't know how valuable he is. I don't I can't remember what what did the Bears get when they traded Roquan Smith? It was a second round pick, I think. And he's and he is like he got a hundred million dollars from the Ravens, right? So like if you trade Bolton, you might get like a third, maybe. Maybe I mean, linebackers just aren't that valuable. I mean, it's right. It is interesting because Tranquil's on such a low cap number right now. I mean, if you can keep him on that, then I think you start to make kind of future plans around him. But I think his price is going to go quite a bit up after this season. I mean, I don't know. if I assume the league is noticing, but he looks fantastic. Um, I don't, didn't he lead the Chargers? He had like 140 tackles last year. It was like, such a weird signing when we signed him because it was just like, 
man, we got Bolton and Gay. We're, we're only running two linebackers here. We we spent a third round pick on Chanel. Like, we, there isn't a position we're more set at uh, other than like a tight end or QB. Um, but it's just like we randomly signed Drew Cranko. I was like, okay, that must be because he really wants to be here, or it's just like a player that we really liked, and we're just gonna bring him in and throw him in and see what happens. And man, that's that move is probably paid off more than any other move this season. Like an unbelievable move to get him. He's making $3 million this season. Um, and so I, 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 I still want to see when they come back, you know, Bolton and Tranquil together. Um, I, I hope that they can make that happen. I noticed gay missed a couple assignments this week. I think it might've been kind of on the same play, like where the tight end kind of blocked and then went out for his route and gay kind of like, you know, assumed he was just blocking and kind of like went towards the quarterback. And it was just like an easy 15, 20 yard dump off. Uh, and he got yanked after the second one. Uh, so a tough game for Willie Gay. They, and they brought in Chanel in there. Uh, but man, I'd love to see Bolton and Tranquil in there figure it out. But Tranquil looked fantastic in this game. It looked great all season, really. Is there a world where the Chiefs have to sign Drew Tranquil this offseason? They don't want him to leave, and it costs them Nick Bolton. That they keep Tranquil... And and that means that when Bolton is up for a contract, they don't give it to him, and he leaves. Well, just for the record, we still have Bolton for one more year, right? Next I believe year. this is year three. Yeah. So yeah, next year we still have him. Um, ask it again: Is is there a, like in a world where they basically pick the long in the long term? They say we're going to give Tranquil a, this big contract that was maybe earmarked for Bolton, and we're going to let Bolton walk. Yeah, like definitely, definitely. <clears throat> Um, uh, it's, it's interesting because he was a draft pick and, you know, bordering on Super Bowl MVP last year. Um, he's a guy that they love. Yeah. And, like, and they pump up a lot and love. you can tell, cause like the national media will talk about him and they'll call him like an all pro linebacker kind of thing. And, you know, I think that's kind of coming from the chiefs, um, to put that out there. So, yeah, I don't, I, it's, it's an interesting discussion. I think the solution is trying to play them together. Um, so it might be a choice between like Tranquil and Gay. If you're telling me that both of those guys are going to make the same amount of money next year, like give me Tranquil a hundred times out of a hundred. Um, even though Gay's had a good season with a tough game this week, uh, but still, I mean, with Chanel still under contract, I don't know. There's there's lots of options there. I would like to see more of of Bolton and Tranquil playing together to see if it can happen. Uh, it kind of reminds me of like the old Chiefs when we had you know these two. We had Demario Williams and Derek Johnson, both seemed like great linebackers, but we couldn't play them together. We had to keep playing these these shitty linebackers, this the strong inside linebacker next to him, and it was just like, just put them both out there. Uh, that kind of led to like the, all the Derek Johnson sitting for a whole year and made him flourish, all that weirdness. Um, but yeah, it, it kind of reminds me of that. But it's it's a it's a bevy of goods at linebacker right now. I would say. Yeah, I mean they're they're absolutely loaded, both there and corner. It seems like. Um, one thing that I, I want to, I want to just kind of check your pulse here. Um, we always knew that this was going to be a kind of slow played, um, not a red shirt, but not a particularly active season for the guy that they decided to take in the first round, a Felix and Udike Uzama, one of the youngest players in the draft last year and obviously a kid from Lee's summit played at K-State. There's a lot of things here that, you know, with the draft in KC, it kind of seemed like they almost telegraphed it a little bit. This seems like the perfect pick here because we can't take a wide receiver or whatever. 
Um, I, I wonder, I, I've seen a lot of people being like, he only got three snaps. Like you need more from your first round pick here. Like, are you at all worried about his career trajectory right now? I mean, cause it, it seems like especially as soon as uh, Amina who came back, like there's just going to be so few snaps to go around for this guy. And you know, we're talking about potentially losing both Chris Jones and Mike Dana from this rotation to where like, Hey Felix, you got a year and next year you are a starter. Like he, he potentially could be starting opposite Carl Loftus with a who primarily being a defensive tackle next year to where like, maybe we just, it, it, this, this year is about learning and adjusting to the pro game and getting another year of developing his body. I think he's only 21 years old. So I I don't want to be worried about him, but it does, I don't know, he's first round pick and he's hardly seeing the field. Is that like bad for his confidence? I I just, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, Yeah, I mean, I've seen the discussion. I thought the most interesting thing I've seen on it, uh, Nick Jacobs kind of tweeted out some snaps of other first round defensive ends. And Nolan Smith, who was the guy that, you know, a lot of people wanted and went directly the pick in front of us to the Eagles. Uh, to an equally stacked defensive line rotation, probably more stacked. Uh, he only has 72 snaps on the whole season. Uh, Felix is sitting at 136 for the season. So almost twice as much from Felix to Nolan Smith. Um, I don't know how he's doing or anything like that, but it was kind of reassuring just like, okay, like these guys don't always pan out, um, you know, how you want right away. Um, I'm not worried just because the guys in front of him are playing so well. So it's just like a tough path. Uh, to see snaps for him. Um, I would be worried if Malik Herring was consistently getting snaps over him. Um, and I think they were kind of both playing in there for a while until a minute who came back from his suspension. And now there's not really room for either one of them. Um, and, you know, this is kind of a reason, you know, Frank Clark probably came in and they, there was talk about practice squad. And it's just like, where are these snaps going to come from? Because there's only so many. And each of these guys are playing so well. Like, I, we don't want to take them off the field. Um, and so you throw in Chris Jones getting snaps at defensive end um, with these other guys playing. So, well, I just, there's not really room for them. Um, so I'm not worried. I would be worried if, you know, we started seeing Malik Herring getting snaps. That would be like the the threshold of, because I, I feel like he's just, you know, kind of a bottom of the line roster kind of guy. Um, so if he was playing over him, then I'd be a little worried. I did see that he got yanked after, uh, that that long Jacobs run this week was kind of at his gap, and he kind of got really moved mm-hmm. off his spot, and that was his last snap in this particular game. Um, you know, I I wouldn't expect the run game to be his strength. He seems like a speed guy coming off the edge that you want to use in a lot of uh, pass rush situations, um, obvious pass rush situations. Um, so I, you know, it's that's that's one thing where like you know you could see him coming back next year, and it's like okay, Felix added. 15 pounds of muscle in this offseason. Now he's ready to, you know, play every down in the NFL kind of thing. Um, and that's one reason why, I mean, si- resigning Mike Dana just kind of makes it tough for everybody because you got Ominahu. How long did Ominahu sign for? Three years, was it? I think it was two. Two, okay, only two years. Uh, or maybe it's a three year deal and he's just staying two years. But, you know, you got George Karloftis ain't going anywhere. Obviously, if you resign Dana, you're just, you know, keeping that crowded room at defensive end and really kind of buries that that the snaps for Felix, so I'm not really sure where he comes in. Um, he really got pushed. He was in the, like, 
first team like pass rush package that they had, you know, they slide Chris Jones out and move all the defensive line everywhere. He was in that until Omenu came along. Um, so, you know, a, a, like, I think I'd say maybe like a weird choice, a weird draft choice. Um, but everything's forward thinking with the Chiefs. I mean, everything at this point is, you know, we've got 10, 12 more years of Patrick Mahomes. We're not, you know, going all in for any of these seasons. So, you know, building up the defensive line is never a bad move as the Eagles have showed us. Just keep dumping first round picks on the defensive line and, you know, hope enough of them hit because you just always, always, always need defensive linemen in a pass rush. Well, and something to keep in mind, uh, I, I think is important for everybody. You mentioned Nolan Smith. I started looking at some of the other uh, guys that went in that first round, the guys that went ahead of him. Um, I mean, Tyree Wilson uh, went to the Raiders. They ended up actually releasing Chandler Jones, having really nothing to do with Tyree Wilson. But I mean, this is a guy that's a top 10 pick and he's got about 300 snaps on the season. Um, and he's, you know, a sack and a half, hasn't done a whole lot. Uh, Lucas Van Ness, uh, if you want to jump in, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, I got the full list here. So it's you know, Will Anderson, the, the third overall pick, 500 snaps. Tyree Wilson, 323. I know he's struggled a lot. Uh, Van Ness, 249. Will McDonald, I know he's struggled a lot, 101. Miles Murphy, 163. Nolan Smith, 72. Felix, 136. Um, so he's kind of in the same range of, you know, the other players taken around him. He's obviously not going to be like Will Anderson, but it's just, it's really tough for first-year defensive ends. Like those, remember those stack numbers we're kind of talking about with George last year, like, First round defensive linemen just do not pile up sacks. Like it's just rare to see them, you know, even get close to double digits. Like they're just, you know, five sacks kind of guy. Um, and I know there's the guy from the Jets who was like the defensive end. Oh, is that Will? That is Will McDonald. Uh, he's hardly playing. That's the Iowa Will State guy, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I know he's hardly yeah, playing. Like four, I think, too. So I mean, it, I think it's just a tough position, and those are just kind of guys you have to develop. Um, so I, I don't think it's a bad move that they picked him. I'm not ready to say that by any means. I'm not really worried either. Yeah, I, I think he played, he looked good. He flashed a few times when he played. So yeah, I, I think, I think at the end of the day, like it's not something that anybody needs to be worried about right now. The pass rush isn't struggling. And so maybe like if they weren't being as productive and, Felix isn't seeing the field, then that's a problem. But this defense is exceptional, um, really across the board, and the defensive line has has really been leading the way. George Karloftis, man, um, he he is, I think, better right now than I thought. Like he, like he might have been at his peak. Like he is he is doing what we were thinking is his ceiling, and he's really been doing it since about midway through his rookie season and has just continued to play exceptionally well. He is certainly, I believe on track for double digit sacks right now. I think he has eight through 10 games uh, or 11 games now. 11. Yeah. Yeah. 11 games now. Um, you know, they, they really seem to knock it out of the park with Carl and McDuffie in that first round last year. Shout out to Brett beach. I would say uh, my goodness. Uh, last thing on the defense for me is, is just luxurious. You know, it was a really tough start for him, especially with all those stats coming about about him shutting down number one receivers. And then Devontae Adams just comes up and starts eating early in that game. Um, so he got to five catches, 73 yards. And as uh, Craig Stout pointed out, did not allow, a or Devontae didn't have a catch 
past the 13 minute mark of the second quarter. Yeah. Um, so as bad as that start was five for 73 from Devante, I think you'll kind of take that, especially following him around all day. It really seems like the chief strategy now is Legereus falling around that number one receiver and McDuffie sitting in the slot and just blitzing him like, like crazy. Um, so that was interesting. It's, it's good to see that Legereus bounced back because at the early, it was just like, man, what happened to those Legereus shutting down the number one receivers step that we, that we all saw. But I think he redeemed himself as that game went on. Yeah, I don't I don't know what it was other than maybe a Nick Wright tweet predicting it, but the Raiders go up 14-0 and then the Chiefs proceed to go on a 31-3 run. The Raiders offense is not really getting anything done. Um and and the Chiefs offense is suddenly looking, you know, pretty sharp. I mean, you got 31 points in 3 quarters. Um it, it, I I don't I don't know what it was that changed. But once they got moving on both sides of the ball, um, I mean, they were basically perfect for the rest of the game. Yeah, and it, let's let me just see this for a few more weeks, and and you know, get my get our confidence back up in this offense. And if they start rolling like this, I'm going to be ultra confident going into January. I had one last fun uh, little stat here. Um, if you're all out of stuff, um, I think everything. I think a lot of people saw that stat going around. It was like the best uh, pro sports team since 2019 stat. Uh, and the Chiefs had the highest win percentage across, you know, all sports. They're looking at win percentage across all sports um, since 2019. They were ahead of everybody everybody else by 8% in win percentage points. Mm. Um, 8%. That's to second in all of sports. Uh, the Bills were second on that list, and they just lost again. Uh, so that list, that gap got even wider between the Chiefs and everybody else. I did a little math. If the Chiefs lose their next 10 games... 10 games, they would still be the winningest team in all of sports since 2019. That is absurd. So that is great. absurd. It's Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes for you. Uh, Chiefs heading to Lambeau on Sunday night football, the worst time slot that there is, at least for public school educators. Um, I. Would love to see a game in Lambeau. I would not love for it to be on like December 3rd. That sounds uh, brutal. Uh, hopefully it ends up being a really fun game as the Chiefs take on Jordan Love. Big revenge game for Jordan Love, right? Uh, real pissed off still about his parents having to sit in the absolute top row at Arrowhead Stadium. Uh, it, his, was that his first career start? Yeah, his first career start. He looked pretty bad in that game. He looked pretty bad for most of the season, but I think he's had like the best three games of his career the last three weeks. Okay. Uh, so he's actually kind of heating up and has looked pretty good lately. Uh, so the Packers, and now they're, I think, only a game out of that wild card spot. So a huge game for them. Uh, should be a rocking crowd. It might snow, I saw. Okay. Uh, so this, this could be a lot of fun. I'm, when did that get flexed? I never saw it get flexed to Sunday night. Was it always Sunday night? I think it was always Sunday night. Oh, okay. I, I, I don't know. Didn't have that chucked it, but yeah, that's, that's going to be a fun one. It, I I think it's I think it's going to be uh, a pretty excellent game. I th- I believe I saw that the Packers uh, have been underdogs in their last three games and ended up like winning by just about the amount that they were uh, not not favored by. Uh, like like whatever they're they're a three point underdog and they end up winning by three. Uh, so they, they've done that now three weeks in a row, I believe. So people were really not believing in the Packers because of that slow start, but they seem to turn things around. They've got a pretty nasty defense. Um, it's, it's going to be a tough, tough matchup for the chiefs on Sunday night football. Hopefully we get another win. Chiefs keep this 
uh, get the get the streak of moving here. I say continue the streak, the one game winning streak. Uh, <laughs> all right, folks. Well, this has been Amateur. I'm Ryan Scott Hall. He's his darkness, and Justin Herbert remains Philip Rivers. He's way worse. I'm close. Not even close. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.